0: Well, welcome everyone to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. I'm here today with Art Barter.
1: Hey Carol, how are you doing Art? today?
0: Good, good.
1: Good to be with you. Good to be with you. We're remoting and Zooming again today, right?
0: We're Zooming. Yep. That's it. We're Zooming. I'm over in my hometown and Art's over in Vista where Daytron is located. Thank God for Zoom, is all I have to say. Yeah, no kidding, huh? As I'm sure many of our listeners will agree, it's uh, the strangest of times, and technology is really helping us during this particular moment in time.
1: Yeah, glad to have everybody with us today. Good to be back and talking about how to change this world, huh, Carol?
0: Right. And this particular episode, Art, we're going to be getting into the details of the last chapter, really, in your book, The Art of Servant Leadership too, which is the epilogue chapter. So I started looking at epilogue. You don't see that used too much in books anymore. But an epilogue is a section or a speech at the end of a book or a play that serves as a comment or a conclusion to what's happened. And usually it's used to bring closure. It does that in the art of servant leadership too, certainly, but also I think more importantly, you've challenged us by this epilogue and it really opens the door to more conversations. And so I think today's conversation, maybe more than some of our others, will be very philosophical,
1: Right. Yes, would exactly. be a good
0: word to use to describe, mm-hmm. you know, what goes on in the epilogue. So at the beginning of that chapter, you talk about your legacy as a leader. How do you look at your legacy today?
1: Well, you know, as I talk about in the book, I really, really don't like the word legacy very much. Uh, I say I'm a little uncomfortable with it in the book. I'm really uncomfortable with it, not a little uncomfortable with it. And the reason for that is, is, you know, servant leadership doesn't have my name on it. And I want it that way because it's more important for servant leadership to survive when I'm not around than it is for me to survive my name. Mm-hmm. And so the legacy for me is more about the ongoing influence of the people that we've influenced, ensuring that it continues. That the discussion we want to start through the Servant Leadership Institute about implementing servant leadership continues to move forward through the people that we've influenced and started discussions with. So that's really what's what legacy is all about. It's, it's about the organization, Servant Leadership Institute, servant leadership uh, legacy. What's that going to be? I really don't want people to talk about Art Barter's legacy. I'd rather have spent time on the stories about how the world was changed because people believed that they needed to behave differently and treat people with dignity and respect from their heart more than anything else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've been, I've been thinking about this with respect to myself and I guess, you know, when you think about legacy and also just so our audience knows, and and you may have heard us say this before, we lost a very dear work colleague not too long ago, very suddenly. And I think about his legacy and uh, sometimes it's in the people Mm -hmm. that are left behind, Mm -hmm. but also certain qualities. I think about how John would talk about, we actually quoted him once about building bridges of trust. Mm -hmm. For me, I thought about the word integrity. I would want people to remember me if I wasn't around anymore, as a person of integrity. So, you know, for us, it can be about certain qualities that we want folks to remember us about. Right, right. But I understand what you mean completely about not wanting to, about you wanting folks to remember, you know, servant leadership and not necessarily... Well, we want to remember our border, but maybe for different reasons. Well,
1: remember me for a little bit, at least a little (laughs) bit, right? Yeah. So, and you know, that part, if I leave leave things behind that uh, help people and educate people, and maybe if the writings continue to help people, Hey, that, that's what the legacy is all about. But, you, you know, I think you mentioning it about integrity and, You know, if we were to look at Datron that we spent a a good portion of our life working in, you and I, what's the legacy of that company? And I want that company to be remembered as a company because they did it the right way.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? They didn't do it just to use people. They didn't use it just to get results and pay them. They did it because it was value-based. They love people. They did it from the heart. And that's the legacy of Datron. is, hey, we want to serve people and help people. And that's what we want to be known for. So, um, yeah. But, you know, I could talk on for the next couple hours about this legacy thing. So
0: So we don't want you to talk for the entire time about legacy because I got other things here that I want to talk to you about. All right. Okay. All
1: right. All right.
0: So one of the things that you have said is that you're not here to debate people about servant leadership you just want to help people and so we because of of that because of that concept we teach a leadership philosophy but we're not trying to win an argument we want to add value so can we talk for a little bit about adding value through servant leadership it's one of our servant leader behaviors But the longer we've gone, Art, in in talking about servant leadership behaviors and explaining servant leadership behaviors, teaching them to people, the more I come to understand how, how important that adding value piece is. And I don't know that people really understand just how deep that concept can be. So let's talk a little bit about adding value through servant leadership, and how we do that.
1: Yeah, 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 you know, if if we talk about a relationship between two people that agree, that relationship is probably going to be positive because they're going to agree on most things. They can have disagreements; they'll they'll discuss uh, the differences, and but they respect each other and. They will look at each other and look at their behaviors and know that because of their relationship, maybe even a friendship, that they have the right motives. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to they want to help each other and they want to add value to it. And those relationships are fun. You can have a good time with those. You can grow together. You can help each other. But Those are people that you know. Uh, what about the people you don't know? Or maybe the people that you don't agree with what they believe in? Mm -hmm. Or maybe they have a different political affiliation or they believe in a different way of leadership. Can you add value to that life even when you disagree with it? You know, that's one of the most difficult things for people to do is to approach a discussion with someone they disagree with in a mindset of how do I add value to that individual when I don't agree with what they're saying? Yeah. how do I add value to them right and so it's really important it gets down to motive do people have the right motives when they're trying to have discussions help people serve people and if it's all about helping people to get what you want guess what you're you're not going to move that relationship forward if you really want to add value to that life and that life is willing to accept it there's a it's a responsibility to two people have to want to engage in that in that positive relationship but It really is, for me, about interfacing with people that you don't know or don't agree with or may be in a current disagreement with or an argument that you need to add value. And as a father, I know in my own servant leadership transformation, I would look back and see how I handled my kids, and I went, wow, I did not add value to them that day. There is no way I added value to them. So how do you add value to a 17-year-old when they've just done something stupid? Or in a different word, they've wrecked a car or they
0: didn't
1: come home on time or, you know, whatever it might be, how do I add value to that life and help them understand? And you know, that adding value part, if you can help people look at the world in a positive way and can see that there's a, a better way for them to behave. Interface with people, develop relationships, even if it's just planting a seed, all right? And we talk about this all the time. Just plant the seed by treating someone with dignity and respect. You don't have to stay there and see that seed develop. Mm-hmm. That may be someone else's responsibility to go do somewhere down the line. Just plant the seed. Be nice to people. Smile at them. You cut people off. I told I was telling Carol this morning. Uh, I left uh, for work and within a couple blocks of leaving home, I almost got hit by two people in a car. Do you smile at them? You smile at them and tell them to have a great day. You don't get mad at them. You don't do any sign language. You you just react in a way that they don't expect. And when you do that with people you don't know, they remember that. And they may not remember it right away, but somewhere down the road. So do you approach every day, not identifying, hey, I'm going to add value to Carol today, I'm gonna to add value to Lisa, and name the people you're gonna add value to. I don't think that's how that works. I think it's better to say, I wanna have a mindset of serving and helping people today, regardless of who is put in front of me, regardless. All right, because we don't know who we're gonna run into between the time we leave home and the time we leave, leave for work, all right? And I told Carol, one of the, one of the individuals was pulling out of my complex. So it's one of my neighbors. So if I react in a in a bad way and roll down the window, I yell and scream, or do some sign language, I live in the same complex. I have thirty five units in my complex. Guess what? There's a high probability I'm going to run into that person.
0: Yeah.
1: They'll remember me if I if I if I respond in a positive way rather than a negative way. So and everybody thinks about this in their own way. You know, you talked about how deep this goes. I read something a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Miles McPherson um, mm-hmm. here locally. And he talked about having a discussion with that person in the mirror in the morning and deciding that day, are you going to be in a good mood and help people? Are you going to be in a grouch mood and just suck the life out of people? What are you going to, what are you going to be that day? And I'm reading a book right now uh, called The Third Option by him. And the first couple of chapters really has challenged my thinking. And it's about, you know, race relationships, et cetera. But he, he also talks about serving people and helping people. And do you have a mindset that help people all the time or does it waver every day? And I think that's the toughest part for us is I think when things are going well and it's easy to serve people and help people. At times like this where you you may not disagree uh, on how people are expressing themselves, it's tougher to get up in the morning and have a positive attitude about what's going on and say, you know what? I may have somebody mistreat me today, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be okay with that. I'm gonna smile and say, "Have a great day." Now, that has a lot of stuff around it too, but it is very difficult and it's very deep. You know, I've, I'll I'll share the story and then I'll let you go on to your next question, Carol. When I first met John Maxwell, it was in Atlanta. I was at one of their leader and was it called back then, Carol? I think it was LeaderCast, but they held live events down in Florida in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah,
0: it was probably a leader cast.
1: And prior to the event, we had engaged John from a contract standpoint to help our leadership team. And I had never met John. i read his books, videos, et cetera. I'd never met him, decided that this would be a good thing for our team at Datron. So we attended the event and we were part of a VIP group. Now the VIP group at that convention was like 200 people. So I mean, it's, (laughs) but we had lunch and John came in and talked, but He came over and he said, hey, I want to meet the guy from Datron, uh, Art. And he came over, gave me a big hug. You know, they were taking pictures and stuff, but gave me a big hug. And when he hugged me, he whispered in my ear and he says, Art, I really want to serve you in helping your team. I want to serve you. You know, I remember that like it was yesterday because John had never met me. He didn't know anything about the company. He had probably been briefed a little bit uh, that you got this new client, et cetera. But here's a gentleman who who sought me out, wanted to meet me, gave me a big hug, smiled. And uh, we talked for maybe two minutes. But he said, whispered in my ear. He didn't make it publicly. He didn't do it in front of the cameras. He whispered in my ear and said, I really want to serve the Art. I want to help you. That is a person who does it from their heart. He doesn't do it for publicity, even when the cameras are around, right?
0: So yeah. I can add to that story a little bit. And that is that, Um, You know, after meeting him through his working with the Datron management team, sometime later, uh, the SLI team, three of us from SLI, went to an event sponsored by him in Florida. And at the time, you were very, very ill. We got the opportunity to go up on stage. He was, I think, I don't know if he was signing books or I can't remember quite what, but. When we walked up, he recognized me immediately, and the first thing he said to me was, how's art, and do you need anything? Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) you don't expect that from people that are in the type of position that he is in, where he's world known, you know, known all over the world. Right. There really are people that are that way, (laughs) Uh and he's one of them. That's what I, I guess is my picture of someone with a mindset of adding value. Right, right. is isn't yep. just, you know, lip service. It is really the way they think out of the gate.
1: Exactly, exactly. I don't know if you heard Carol, but his father passed away on July oh, 4th. No, I didn't The morning know. of July 4th. His father was 98 years old. And John wrote about it that day. And the impact of what he said made me regret about when my father passed away. And, you know, he, he, he said, I was fortunate enough to spend time with my father this past week to share with them how much he has impacted my life and talk about his impact on me mm-hmm. and, and give him feedback, right, about all the mm-hmm. positive things in his life. And, you know, you go, wow. In, in that time, is that what we think about? Um, that has sat with me for the last three days about him talking about spending a week with his father, sharing with them how much he meant to him in his life and how much he influenced him. I've never met his father. I've read a lot about him. And I will tell you some of the things that I read in response to uh, John's father's death. People, some people I highly respect, I think it was John Ortberg. Um, Mm -hmm. I may be wrong with that, but I think John said, listen, I, I didn't know your father, but I know the work that he did in giving you that heart of wanting to help people. So he was a great man. Yeah. You know, so he saw his father's work in John Mm -hmm. and you talk about legacy. Wow. That, that's, that to me is legacy right there. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's. It's amazing how how wonderful a wonderful gift so what do you think needs to change so that servant leadership will be more accepted and really make a change in the world you know i look at everything that's going on right now and so many voices speaking and a lot of what i hear on the positive side I want to stand up in my living room, my family room, and say, but wait, that's just, that's servant leadership that you're talking about.
1: This this is another story that hit me. I I read a um, story about a church who has fired their pastor, and I forget the location of it, uh, of the church, but the pastor was speaking about the issues that the church has when it comes to treating everybody with dignity and respect. Do we welcome in others that don't look like us? Do we treat others that don't look like us? And and he was getting real about that. And he was voted and was fired. And this past Sunday was his last day. And it takes courage to do that. Mm-hmm. Because he stood up for what he believed in, not only what he believed in, what he believed his religion should believe in, right? Because that's... yeah. yeah. You and I both believe that. Jesus treated everybody with dignity and respect. And there were some things he did with the woman at the well that back in those times, that was a no-no. That was just a no-no. And she said, what are you doing here? You're asking me for a cup of water. What? I, I, I don't understand. He didn't care about that stuff. And we shouldn't either. But, you know, get back to your question about change. Let me read something right from the book. I, and I wrote this, what, four, three or four years ago? It says, the freedom we experience in America comes with the responsibility to treat everyone with dignity and respect, even those people we don't agree with. We need to be able to disagree with people without anger. I'm not talking about foreign policy, the issues of war. I'm talking about Americans getting along with each other. And I share with them a phrase in the book that I learned in workplace violence training when we were involved with that, and it says, you know, anger is one letter away from danger. Mm-hmm. So add a D to the word anger and you have danger. And we've got danger right now and anger. We need to change that. How do we do that in today's world? I have been very quiet for a couple of months. Carol, you know, we talked about this in our weekly meeting last week. Right about how I've been sitting back listening and learning. I joined a group that individual we know well started. I disengaged with that group when some hate started coming into it. And the person we know, we love, she spoke from the heart yesterday and told people, listen, this is not what this group is about. She had a courageous conversation with the team and said, listen, if you can't treat each other with dignity and respect, then this is not what this this group is about. We wanna create a safe environment to learn from each other. And, you know, when when a lot of the demonstrations started and the discussion about racism started, I sat back and said, I want to learn. I want to listen to understand and hear what's being said. I don't want to hear anger. I don't want to hear people spewing hate. I don't want to hear people dislike me or others before they have even met me or had a conversation with me. Yeah. Look at people based on their behaviors and their heart, not on what you think they are. And this goes for anybody and everybody out there. And, you know, to do that in today's environment, we've got to be able to disagree with people and still be in a civil conversation with people. And yelling and shouting over people, talking over people, that's not the way to make this happen um, and change this world. You know, people came together multiple times in the history of our nation to come together about things that they disagreed upon. And in today's environment, I think we've lost the dignity and respect for each other. And, you know, I I will caution everybody you know, you can look at anything in social media. We've become a nation based on sensationalism. And that's what we see, that's what gets reported. I like to look at the the positive stories, the good things that are going on, the people are having conversations and discussions who are trying to understand uh, how people feel about things and why it's important to them. And I've learned a lot. I have learned a lot. And, you know, one of the things that Miles talked about in, his, in just the short time I've read his book, he, he says, you know, Jesus doesn't identify races. And I'm paraphrasing here. His only word is Beloved. He looks at people and I go, beloved. And I'm really looking forward to the rest of his book because just in the short time I've read it, I've learned a lot and I've learned a lot listening to people. And if we want to change things, we have to listen. And we have to have an open heart and an open mind to hear what people are saying, even if it makes us uncomfortable. There was an individual I was listening to today, I forget her name, and I didn't listen to her all because there were some things I didn't agree with her on. And she made a comment about the White House. She said, I wonder if we should be considering changing the name of the White House to the president's residence or the or the leader's house or something a little different. And you know what? I never even thought of it that way until she said something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Now. I could walk away and go, no, that's just ridiculous. I, I could walk away from that and not engage in a conversation. But if I were having a conversation with that person face-to-face, I would say, tell me more and help me understand how that makes you feel. Yeah. Help Help me learn. Help me understand. And there isn't a lot of that going on today. There's just a lot of talking, yelling, screaming. And we need to be talking about where we agree and where we can work together to change things in the world. And you know, it's it's difficult for some people because they've been raised in certain ways. But you know, when you think about places that you've been, I, I last year I spent time at Valley Forge with my son Chris. Uh, and what was fascinating to me when I think back is the leaders in that time in the military had their own home built and soldiers were over in a tent city. I wonder if that tent city was segregated. I bet you it was, I don't know for sure. But I now look back at, I I look at that environment and go, okay, what do I need to learn about that environment to help me understand why people feel the way they do today? So it's opened up my mind in that regard. Servant leadership is all about your motive, your heart, and wanting to add value to people, and that can be very interesting when you're talking about the culture, the race, where you come from, how you were raised, and to sit back and start to look at the person in the mirror and start with yourself first, it's pretty difficult. So I think one of the most important behaviors prior to your ability to add value is you have to listen to understand. You have to listen to people.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's more important than anything else. And if people are, get angry with you, et cetera, you know what, don't enter into an argument. Don't get into a yelling match, a pushing match. Walk away, just walk away. And don't put yourself in that, in that environment. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm struggling for some words here because I wanna respect people standing up for things. I disagree in how some things are being done in that environment but i don't know enough to understand what's driving that behavior i don't believe in violence i don't believe that that will solve anything i do believe that being able to talk and add value to each other for a common good is how this world gets changed for the better not through violence and threatening individuals so and uh You know, we have to be courageous in how we serve our communities, how we serve our companies. And in the book, I talk about demand, the right kind of character in the organizations we're responsible for. And I say, I use the word demand on purpose. Because if you have values in your company and you believe in those values, then you demand that those values be used to make decisions on how you serve your customers. It's not it for discussion. It's not a for debate. Are you going to be perfect? No. But you have also have to create a safe environment for you to learn from your mistakes. Deep down, I think engaging with people we disagree with, if it turns into an argument or a an emotional discussion, we have to be courageous with ourselves to go reflect on that conversation and ask yourself what could I have done better Mm -hmm. to add value to that conversation, right? What could I have done better to add value to that conversation and not degrade and remove value from that, that conversation? And I think today is, is difficult times for, for leaders like myself who go, okay, yeah, I didn't quite live up to the behaviors that, that, I want to behave like, because I'm not perfect, but can I sit back and go, I need to learn and listen and understand after that conversation is over, not just ignore it and move on. So those are some ideas on how I think the world can be better. Saying you will treat people with dignity and respect, that's easy to say, very difficult to do, but putting yourself in the other person's shoes. I went silent for a couple months because I've never stood in those shoes. I've been treated all my life. I I've, I've fought weight all my life. I've been I have been treated because of my size differently. And I can spend a whole couple hours talking about that experience. Is it the same? I don't think so. I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure if I sat down with someone and we shared our experiences, we're going to find some commonality, but we're also going to find some areas that we need to learn from each other on what each of us have gone through. So we gotta to listen to each other. We've gotta to work together to improve, focus on the, the areas that we agree on and learn from the areas we don't agree on. So we can work together to make our world a better place uh, for everyone, not just for certain individuals. Yeah.
0: A couple of things that struck me, Art, as you talked, and one was what you're talking about could very easily be transferred to you know we're talking sort of on a a mass scale a national scene this could be sitting down with an employee one-on-one because they're they're struggling with something so the qualities and the openness and the wanting to add value um, also can very easily apply in our day-to-day interfaces as we try to help the people that we're responsible for in the business setting. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing I wanted to point out for people, just in case, I mean, there are many folks listening to us. We know even internationally, the individual that Art is talking about whose book he's reading is um, Miles McPherson. Yes. Who is a pastor of a very large church here in San Diego called the Rock Church. And he is pastor, but he is also activist and when there is an issue going on in our community, the rock is there. They're one of the first groups that's there. Our thanks certainly go out to them. Art and I can remember hearing miles speak even before he was a pastor.
1: yes, exactly um, He, he played, played for the chargers uh, yeah our our pastor was the pastor for the chargers at the time and you know drew Brees wrote the foreword to the book and this was i think yeah. it's two or three years old and you know drew has gone through his own challenges here recently right um and you know i take my hat off he sat back and listened to people and came back and, and said I, I there's some things i need to learn mm-hmm. and i think that's what good servant leaders will do today they won't preach to people they won't t- tell people how they need to act they will sit back and listen and learn and and try to understand why people feel the way they feel and then start engaging in conversations on how to make the world better for everyone. We like the word servant leadership because servant says you need to do something, you know, it's a word of action, serve.
0: Right.
1: Um, But there's a lot of connotation in that. But you know, in all the years we've been doing this, Carol, you and I in servant leadership, we've only had one individual challenge us on using the word servant leadership. And that discussion was all about when I talked that into it's all about motive. Servant leaders have a motive of wanting to help people, not control people. And that's, that's the big difference. And I would encourage people to check your motives and see what your motives are in today's environment. And can you listen to what's being said and pick out the things that you really need to hear versus the things that maybe you don't want to hear or don't need to hear. That's, that's the challenge that we're going to have uh, in the environment we're in today. Yeah. Yeah. But, but remember, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the phrase, anger is one letter away from danger. And if servant leaders can bring anything to the table today over and above the behaviors we talk about, it's calmness. We need to be calm. Mm -hmm. We don't need to react to emotion with emotion. And, you know, the, hey, sew my tongue back on. You know, I've I've bitten it a couple of times in the last couple of months. Sew it on. And the conversation we had last week's staff meeting was, you know, I have a lot to say. I just want to make sure that before I say it, I understand my own unconscious bias mm-hmm. and how it might be received and reflected upon. And I want to make sure we're adding value. It really comes down. Carol, last week our discussion was, I want to make sure we're adding value, not taking value away, right, to the yeah. conversation.
0: Or yeah, just yeah. some other ringing voice, you know, that isn't helpful. Right. I want to be helpful yep. with, uh, with what we say. So beyond what we've talked about or besides what we've talked about with regard to leadership qualities, what qualities do you think we need to display during this time to truly change the game? you've talked about how leaders don't need to lead differently during this time.
1: Yeah, what we talked about last week is I believe that if we're leading the right way with a servant's heart, is there really a 180 we need to do in our leadership style in the middle of a crisis? I don't think it has to do with leadership style. I think it has to do with more with leadership priority.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend. The best example I can give is Before the COVID-19 started, you know, we had normal cleaning service. We had empty the trash every night and wipe things down and et cetera. We had a lot of doors. You needed a security badge to get through. And when the county came out with, with restrictions and everything, we had to rethink the priority we put on that effort within the company. Now it became, instead of how do we control people and Make sure that our technology isn't exposed to the wrong person in the company. Guess what? I've, I've got to trust them that they understand that you don't go wandering into an area you don't belong. What's more important is the common surfaces that everybody is using within the company we need to limit. We need to reduce the number of touches on common surfaces. The most used common surface outside of kitchens, and guess what, is door handles. So we got rid of all our internal controls on, on secure doors, left them open. So people didn't have to touch the doors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We clean a couple times a day in meetings. We walk into our meeting room, there's blue X's on the tables. And the blue X's mean out of blue, blue tape, means that you can't sit in that location. we remove removed chairs. Now, is that a different type of leadership? I I don't think it's, any different behavioral wise, because you still want to add value it's that you need to add value at a different in a different way and put the focus on cleanliness at a much higher level because of the current situation right right same behaviors
0: mm-hmm.
1: just different priority, so I think it's about priorities where you put your time, how you communicate with people, what's important. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a 14 day quarantine for people who leave San Diego County or the county they live in. We have some people live in Riverside County. And you know what? That's not fun. It's not not fun to be quarantined for 14 days and have to work from home. We will try and support them. We'll try and make sure they're able to work from home, etc. But I would much rather have people traveling, be able to go places and not have to go through this. But if I'm going to add value and respect the authority within the county we live in, right? And I'll share a spiritual thing with you. All authority comes from God, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. So I've got to respect the authority in the county health and human services and the decisions they make. I know of a doctor there, Dr. Nick. I have very high regard for him. I'm going to respect their authority to set the rules in the county. Mm -hmm. and people say well when are you going to you know get rid of the 14-day quarantine i'm i'm not until the county says it's okay not to do that so i don't need a different leadership style to do that i just need to think about the priority of my behaviors and put them in action a lot quicker because things are changing every day we we think the internet's fast if you keep up with the with the stats on COVID 19 and cases and When this thing first got started in San Diego, you could open up a website and you had like three charts. Now, you get a briefing that has like 15, 20 PowerPoint slides in it every day. And you've got to keep up with what's going on in order to keep your employees safe. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you before this all got started, I did not go to the county website every day. I did not do that. Today, I have to go, go see that, look at it. We were looking at it every day. Now I'm looking about every two days, three days. But guess what we hear on the news? First thing out of the shoot, how many new cases we had, how many new deaths. how mean, that's now a higher priority. So, yeah, I, I don't think we need to change our leadership style. We just need to change the priority and the actions we have with to uh, accommodate the situation. And we're doing through the same thing with other customers. A lot of customers working from home. I know a company in the radio business, but they focus in on large events, sporting events. They do, a lot of their customers are big arenas and et cetera. They're allowed to stay open because they're a critical infrastructure company, but their customers are not. Mm. So think about that. You've been identified as critical, but your customers have not. Their business has gone away.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've got one company that I know the CEO on. they're, They're in the cruise. They book cruises. Oh, boy. You know, 99.5% of their revenue disappeared in like three weeks. Do you think their priority changed? Yep. Their leadership style changed? No. Their priority did, but their style didn't. They still care for their employees. They're doing everything they can to keep their employees employed. And I take my hat off to them. So those are some of the examples I can give you that I, I don't think I need to go change my style because of what's going on. I just need to change my priorities on what I focus on every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense to
1: me. And unfortunately, we have to ask ourselves every day what's the right priority for us to yeah be focused on today, based on what's going on in the world around us. You know, so I think was was it this morning at at midnight Tuesday? We're shut down again for indoor dining. Yeah. So one restaurant owner was saying, "Hey, you know, we were able to open up. Well, guess what? We had to we had to bring in food. We had to bring in supplies. We had to spend some money. We had to come get prep for it. Had to redo it." And we've been open for a couple of weeks. we're just starting to get back on our feet now we're we're shut down again. all right uh, I don't think their leadership style changes. I think their priority changes on what they do, yes, and they have to be prepared for it. yeah, so that's my two cents, Carol <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. what's well, more like twenty five at least
1: well, I hope so, but you know i i've I sat down this weekend and read the ep- read read the epilogue in the book, and I went, holy, I broke this. Four or five years ago i don't know three or four years ago i went shoot i think i'm gonna get this out on social media because there's some words that of wisdom there that you know brought me back to thinking about things uh, a different way and talking about things a different way and it means something different to me today than it did when i wrote it
0: right Right. because
1: of the situation right Right.
0: but at the same time to me it's extremely timely extremely timely so that's a good thing so in conclusion i'm going to ask you the really big question what is your definition of living life to the fullest
1: well you know i i I shared a little bit about being courageous with communities that we live in our nation our world and the challenges we have you know treating people with dignity and respect there are some challenges you said i challenge people with the epilogue and i do What if we were to serve people instead of an ideology? What if we were to put them first in everything we do? What if our lives were all about other people for the sake of other people? If we live that way and treat everyone with dignity and respect, even people we disagree with, is that what it means to live your life to the fullest? And, you know, for me, you you know, you mentioned the word integrity. We talked about doing things the right way, you and I are both people of faith. And for us, it's, you know, when we're called to heaven, we want to we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And, you know, we're all servants because in treating people with dignity and respect, we respect that life as if it were our own. And in this world today, that's the big, big challenge. Are you going to live your life for the fullest for yourself, or are you going to live your life for the fullest for others? And you know, there's some combination of that. And some of my thinking has changed because it's not one or the other. I think there are things, and you're planning for your financial future for your family, uh, your security for your family, and you're planning. You, you have to think about your family, which means you have to think about yourself you're part of the family
0: right.
1: that doesn't make you self-serving because you're doing it for the family but if you're doing it just for yourself then you got to challenge yourself so there's a, a, a line there that living life to the fullest for those around you the people you love the most the people you like the most the people you dislike and maybe the people that you can't stand if you can treat all those people the same Regardless of the situation, regardless of what's being said, regardless of whether or not they've hurt you in some way, shape or form, you've really lived your life to the fullest because you've made it about helping other people live their life to the fullest. And I think that's what it's all about today. I I, I really do. But, you know, for me, I I think about John's father got called home on July 4th, Independence Day, you know. And I'm sure he was told, Well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what motivates us and the beliefs that we have. And, you know, that's as I tell people, my belief is my belief. And if I've turned some people off by talking about my faith today, that isn't my intention. My intention is to share our experiences and what motivates us and what drives us to help people. And we respect, Other people's beliefs. Uh, We respect them if they don't have a belief, as we've shared with you multiple times. You don't have to be a person of faith to work at Datron. You just have to have a heart to help people. Uh, It doesn't matter to us. So anyway, I kind of got off on a little bit of a tangent there. But living life to the fullest is a very difficult thing to attain because you're asking a human being to do it.
0: And human (laughs) beings
1: make mistakes.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, maybe that's included in the definition of fullest. Yeah,
1: you know, I think, I think, I know, think, forgiveness all
0: of mess up.
1: We all mess up. So part of living life as fullest is that reflection, understanding what you brought to that negative experience, and um, extending grace and forgiveness to people. That's part of life, and. Anyway, I could I could go on for a little bit more, but uh, I think people get the idea. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, we want to thank you, Art. I want to thank you for being with me today and taking the time uh, to have this chat.
1: My pleasure, as always. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And um, you know, we're we're adding a little bit to what we've been doing with Art of Servant Leadership too, in that we're going to have one more podcast, which is a look at implementation of servant leadership and the Datron story of implementation and also what we call our 90 day plan. And I'm gonna get you to explain to people how to run through that 90 day plan. All right, great, great. And I think we think you'll find it enlightening, fascinating and uh, something that will be very helpful for you. So be on the lookout for that, everyone. Thank you for listening so much. We hope we've added value to you today. And please stay safe. Do what we're being asked to do, folks, to curb this thing. And uh, you will all be in our prayers. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I remember one thing my father told me real young. You know, if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for the people around you. And uh, I think that's what a lot of things we're being asked to do is think of other people first. Yeah. Uh so. for
0: Art and I, will you?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in that zone, aren't we? In we that sure uh, are. Yeah, so uh, we appreciate everybody who's wearing a mask for us. Okay, Carol, great. thanks. Uh, great time today. And thank you, everybody. It's been a lot of fun.
0: You're welcome. This is the Servant Leadership Institute podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Our newest publication, Equipped to Serve, 100 Ways to Help the Ones You Lead by Art Barter and Carol Malinsky is now available online through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Visit ServantLeadershipInstitute.com for logs, webinars, and more all dedicated to servant leadership. Have an amazing day and we will see you on the next episode.